My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. What up, everybody? This is the Fight Game Podcast. John LaRock is not on the show, this version of the show, but who I have is someone who I've been talking to on the old FGB radio. He's also been on several episodes of the Fight Game Podcast. I think the last time we talked was before uh, Canelo and Golovkin 2. And when I talk boxing, it is always with doing. What's up, man? Yeah, uh, last time we spoke, it was myself, yourself, and Robert, if you remember. Yes. And, you know, at that time, it was all, all these big money deals were getting uh, signed, um, not just in boxing, but also in MMA and pro wrestling. And um, now there were a few moves months from, removed from that. It's not to say that necessarily the other foot has dropped a bit, but maybe that just, you know, we're coming to a stage now where these networks are going to want to see the promoters the show improved they're going to want to see what they're g- getting for the money and a few things have changed already you know when we were spoke then hbo were still in the conversation you know they're not in the boxing game anymore um there's no shortage of people who are there's you know you we have espn and espn plus and fox and showtime and the zone among others probably more money and more shows maybe than there ever has been uh, but over the over the, at least in over the last few years, but what we're all seeing is a you know an increasingly fragmented business. Absolutely, um, yeah. Like you said, last year, you know, there were a couple of uh, of players in town. Uh, you had ESPN, who was sort of back in the game thanks to Bob Arum and Top Rank, and Showtime and HBO. Uh, Showtime has always sort of been the little brother to HBO when it came to boxing. Um, you remember, you know, they signed that big Mayweather deal to try to step up and, and, and take HBO's corner. And then HBO leaves the business and, you know, we're sort of like wondering what that means. Basically, what it means is that more competitors are now here because we have DAZN um, and then, you know, the the PBC signs the contract with Fox and they also have the Showtime piece as well. So, you know, more than ever, the 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 game in a sense seems very fresh. It seems uh it seems like there's a lot of money going around. But uh we were we were uh we were both reading an article this week by Steve Kim and he talked about how segmented it was because of these promotions. It's not only not not nowadays, you're not only fighting for a promotion you're also fighting for a TV partner, which leaves uh, a lot of of uh, space to make fights. And if you, unless you have certain guys under that uh, under under that uh, TV uh, deal, though you're not fighting each other. And and I think that's that's kind of what the article was hinting at, which is you know there's so much money going around boxing, but we're still not really going to see the dream fights that we want. Is that was that your sense of of the article as well? Yeah, you know, with all this money that's being ploughed in by uh, you know these networks, there are gonna there's gonna be a lot of pressure on each of the promoters to produce results. And you know, if you think about it right now, probably if you ask the average 
boxing fan for the top five or six f- fights they'd like to see, they're all fights that can't be made because you've got this kind of three-way standoff between, you know, maybe the uh, PBC Matchroom and Top Rank. Um, on one hand, like, you know, PBC have announced a lot of fights for this year, but it does seem to be a lot more quality over, or a lot more quantity over quality, should I say. Um like probably the best fight they've announced so far this year is Errol Spence against Mikey Garcia. And that's a fight that's probably most people see as a size mismatch. That's on March 16th. Um, there's better fights out there for both guys. Obviously for Garcia, the Lomachenko fight would be perfect. And for Errol Spence, the fight people, people wanted to see was Terence Crawford. Uh, we're not getting those. Instead, we're, we're seeing kind of a match that, you know, is a really you know, it's two really tough fighters, but, you know, one that I think most people probably don't see as being that competitive. Um, but looking at the PBC model, I think the one thing you kind of had to give Al Heyman credit for is that maybe he read the room better than anybody because, you know, when he started doing his time boys two, three years ago now, both of us kind of discussed it and we're like, we don't really see what the end game is here. He's just hemorrhaging money into this business and, you know, there's no real return for him. I think, you know, Heyman's not dumb, and I'm guessing he saw what was up ahead, that there was going to be a war for content. And, you know, he put himself in a position where he could net these big deals with the likes of Showtime and Fox by uh, by doing what he did. Absolutely. Now, you sort of mentioned this at the top, which is now it's really up to the promoters to deliver good product that that draws rating and you know <clears throat> at the end of last year we saw uh the charlo brothers and while i wouldn't say that i i saw a lot of positive feedback on having both of those guys in sort of like the first big fox fight under this new deal it did do a pretty darn good tv rating um and and so that that tells you that on the right weekend with the right amount of push now they have the NFL for helping them right it's the the NFL is is the, the sort of the biggest game in town when it comes to sports and in mo- just you know most most uh, anything uh, the NFL is the biggest game in town and so they had that behind them but we've also seen that that didn't necessarily always help the UFC. So there was something to that fight that that caught and, and piqued interest. But now how do you build upon that? And uh, I know they have a fight uh, today, but it's on FS1 and you know they're trying to do the same thing, you know, push viewers during during the football game and stuff. But that that's sort of the next step now is okay, we have this platform. Now we have to put these fights in place and put them in a way to where you know, it, it, people want to watch them. It can't just be product for the sake of product. Um, we have to give them something that they want to watch. And this is where the promoting piece comes in. And I think that's going to be uh, really hard to do in some cases. Uh, you have, you know, you have veterans like, like Bob Arum, and he's going to, you know, I think he's doing a really good job at, at uh, selling, um, you know, Lomachenko, obviously. But I think he's also going to struggle with uh, the Terrence Crawford and Amir Khan fight. Neither guy, uh, actually, 
Amir Khan is 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 technically uh, a bigger draw than than Crawford just because he's been with with uh, with guys like Canelo on pay per view before. But Crawford is kind of like this, you know, this set this this silver medal prize for Bob Arum in his stable. And how do you make him uh, a gold medalist? You know, in in the sense of how does how does Terence Crawford take to the next level? I think he's going to struggle with this one a little bit. As good as he is at this, uh, it's it's going to be a hard one. Uh, I think. Though, I mean, I may be reading this uh, a little bit off because only because I feel like, you know, Amir Khan kind of finagles his way into these fights sometimes where people don't really want to see them or see him in them. But he's savvy enough and his people are savvy enough to where his name is always bandied about when it comes to these fights. Yeah, I think they're in a hard position with Terence Crawford. And I think one of the things what you are going to see with the standoff is you're going to see destinations for particular divisions. Um, for example, I think, you know, if you want to fight at middleweight, you're, the big pro- prize for you is Canelo. So maybe you're going to sign with the zone. If you want to fight a welterweight, probably the place for you to be is PBC because they have Pacquiao, they have Terman, they have Garcia, they have Spence. They have all these named fighters there. So for a guy like um, Terence Crawford, you look down the list, probably Amir Khan is the biggest name that's out there for him that, that's available to, to fight. Um, as far as top rank model goes, you know, when this all shakes out, they are the ones I would expect probably to come out on top uh, leading the pack just because, you know, they are the most successful promoter in US history and they've got a, a huge entity behind them in ESPN and their deal with ESPN and that started off extremely well. Um, you know, and you know, Top Rank is still developing talent. They're still building new stars. Guys like Crawford and Lomachenko have come through over the last couple of years and started to make uh, that little bit of a breakthrough into becoming bigger stars. And, you know, because, you know, Top Rank aren't as stuck in their ways as, you know, maybe PBC are about you know, working with other people. Bob has always kind of been open to creating fights with other people. So, you know, I think he, I think long term, he is probably the best platform there. And you know, with ESPN, there's the mix of uh, the streaming service with ESPN Plus, um, which ESPN have a commitment to build. They have the TV option as well and the pay per view option. So, if I was to look at who is in the, who's best positioned to, you know, come come out of come out of all of this with, with the most chips, I would say it's probably right now ES, uh, ESPN and Top Rank. Yeah, and the UFC now being on ESPN, I think, helps them a lot because now when you're talking about the streaming piece of it, if you if you don't know really the streaming game that that much, but you're like, oh, you know, I know ESPN and oh, now UFC and boxing is on this one app. It seems like that is the app to get where if you look at DAZN, um, I don't know outside of, you know, some some big bo- I mean when you have when you have uh, Joshua and Canelo on the same on the same uh, umbrella under the same umbrella like that that's a pretty big deal but what else do you get well you get some Bellator and you get some uh, you know some of the other the other MMA stuff that's out there but you it, it is very secondary to to the big to the big players now I think personally I think DAZN is sort of using. Uh, using the boxing and MMA because, you know, 
the, those deals are, are were, were up and, and were available. But I think their big play is going to be some of the some of the bigger sports in the U.S. like baseball and football. They already have a smaller deal with uh, Major League Baseball to do a uh, I think it's a highlight show during the season. Now, I don't I don't really know the uh, specifics of the steel very, very much. But um, the idea that they are creating a partnership with baseball, even if it's a small one, you know, maybe within hopes of, of a bigger piece of the deal, you know, next time. And I think uh, the NFL's package, I think it comes up in 2022. And if you're zone, you know, we talk about this overpay. And if let's say you want uh, Monday Night Football, which is an ESPN Disney vehicle, how much would you have to pay to get it? Uh, there was a, there was a great article, and 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 I don't know how much you you would know about this, but basically in uh, 1994, I believe the Fox uh, the Fox uh, Channel the Fox company, Fox Broadcasting, they were very much like a, like a startup network and they didn't really have a lot of original programming. And their big move was to basically outbid CBS for half of the NFL's Sunday package. And when it came out to, um, you know, the deals as far as like what they were willing to go to versus what CBS was willing to go to, uh, they had to overshoot it by a, a good chunk of money. And that enabled them to kind of create their network. That enabled them to build, you know, they were now a destination for people to come and and check out, you know, instead of just The Simpsons, now you had football, then they could build their news division. And, and that was kind of like the key thing for them. Now, if you're DAZN and Monday Night Football sitting on the table... And you've just pumped in all of this money, you know, to get Canelo, to get Eddie Hearn's group. Uh, do you then go, well, you know, we need this product, too. But the bigger prize is Monday Night Football. And the reason why I think Monday Night Football is the interesting one is because they have John Skipper, who was at ESPN. Um, and, he, you know, he was he was very involved in those decisions at ESPN. So I think that that's their end game. And, and they're they're going to they're going to really chase something big to get that that, uh, you know, that big draw, that big audience. But the boxing thing, I think, is going to be still significant for them because it just creates uh, it creates a channel where you have multiple things to, to, to look and, and who knows, maybe in 2020, you know, the model today of, you know, sort of going to cable or direct TV, uh, is even less of a, of a big thing. And maybe the streaming really breaks out between now and then, but that, I think that's his bigger play. But what does that mean for today? It means that DAZN is clearly in, uh, you know, in a disadvantage when it comes to signing up for these services, because, you know ESPN. Not really many. A lot of people know what DAZN is. I I remember. Um, so for the Canelo fight, uh, that that was just um, or the, the the most recent Canelo fight. One of the guys that I know who's actually a um, independent pro wrestler uh, in NorCal. He was like, 
I wanted to get the fight for the family, like had some people over and I couldn't figure out how to use the damn thing. And it's not like this guy's like 50 years old, right? He's like, you know, he's like in his mid thirties and he was like, I just couldn't figure it out. Like I tried to sign up. I, you know, I downloaded the right thing. I put it up and it still didn't work and he just gave up. So, you know, they're at a, they're at a disadvantage and, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see you know, the moves they make because look, I mean, Canelo was a huge deal, right? It was a huge splash. It was them saying, look, like we're here, you know, we're going to work with Oscar um, and, and, uh, and, and utilize Canelo to like build this boxing brand. But I don't think that it made as big of a splash as you would hope when you spend over $300 million for a guy. Um, they, they do have their work cut out for them, but I think there's sort of bigger pieces that they're going to go after. Um, how do you see DAZN and how do you see them as a, as a fit knowing that, you know, you, you, you probably don't even need them for, uh, for the Eddie Hearn stuff. Cause you get that, but, uh, you know, how do you, how do you see them fit in this whole picture? Yeah, I think long term, it's. <clears throat> One of the one of the most interesting ones out there, you know, they have got like they've got some advantages in that, you know, it it, it is an international brand and it is it is successful and profitable across other regions. So maybe they are playing more of a long game while they build their U.S. model. Um, you could tell from that Steve Kim article that you know there was some frustration in Eddie Hearn. I think. He thought with the amount of money he had on the table um, signing up to the zone that, you know, he had his choice of talent in the U.S. boxing market. But, you know, he was kind of hinting at there's been a false economy over the past few years because there's been so much money plugged in. You know, everybody's overpaying. And when everybody's overpaying for talent, the talent are going to go with one of the proven brands you know it, it, it just makes more sense long term it go to go to, you know to, if you're trusting your career you trust it to an espn or you tr- trust it to a fox rather than like a new startup uh, a streaming service um to to matchroom's credit they haven't entirely relied on just uh, the the zone re- re- revenue to you know to build their business model in america you know they are trying to build their live attendance which i think is important you know i think they need to create uh hot, hot shows you know and you know they've been doing attendances four thousand five thousand seven thousand those type of numbers not huge but for a for like a startup promoter in the market they're they're doing okay you know like that's going to be important to them they're going to have to and they're just going to have to build out on that and start developing developing their own draws in in the market you know that, that is going to take time and um, alongside that you mentioned canelo you know that was the big shock for me is that you know they were able to get somebody of a star of that magnitude and tie him into a 10-11 fight deal for uh, a, 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 a startup platform. I guess, you know, I've said, you know, there are the strengths to the Zone product. It, like, it, it is a good product. They have a good promoter, um, you know, and they do have, have that international backing and the finance behind it. Um, if you were to look at a potential drawback, you have two guys in Canelo and Anthony Joshua who mean a huge amount in the world of boxing that if this platform isn't successful, their exposure is extremely limited for the foreseeable future. And that is that, that would not be a good thing for the sport. Now, <clears throat> theoretically, 
let's say you can make a fight between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Where do you even put the thing? How do you like what what is the the platform? Because Eddie Hearn wants would would want it to be on his own because that's the people, you know, Death Row is the label that pays me. He he wants that on on his own. But if you're Wilder, you're like, well, we got to put it on pay-per-view because that's just what we do and that's that's where we're going to make the most money. Um, that, that's a hard one to me. Like even, even the other logistical things around, you know, this is my brand versus your brand. Uh, uh, what, where do you put the fight is like the bigger question. And, and this one is the one that like, I have, I would have no idea how these people would work together on and, and come up with the answer. I don't know. Like maybe the compromise in that situation would be something like, Hearn looks after the UK rights and PBC look after the American rights. That that would be the easiest compromise I I I, I could see. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's an interesting 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 one because you know, it's not only Eddie Hearn sort of making the best deal for Joshua and Eddie Hearn. He also has to now think about this app this this company who has just invested so much money into him. And like if you take DAZN and you go, hey, guys, we're going to do this big fight, but you may not get a whole lot of uh, subscriptions out of this. They're going to be like, well, then what the fuck are we doing it for? Oh, uh, oh, absolutely. You know, and, and, you know, as I said, if you look at those those big fights that we would like to see this year, you look at Wilder Joshua, you look at. Lomachenko Garcia, you look at Crawford Spence, that barrier is up in the way of all of them. And, you know, that's a result of this competition, you know. And, you know, we, we've kind of always grown up with the idea of, you know, the more competition, the better it is for, you know, p- pushes out, gets everybody to work harder, pushes everybody that little bit harder. And, you know, you, you get the best product. But in this case, you know, you're also seeing a more fragmented market and you're, you're seeing barriers, big fights being made. And I guess kind of the obvious comparison, you know, for somebody who follows the three sports is what's happening in pro wrestling at the moment with AEW starting up. Yeah, um, no, got- absolutely. And, you know, I do want to ask you about the AEW stuff. And look, th- I think this is a good little little interlude because I absolutely want to talk to you about TakeOver from yesterday as well. But yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Go ahead. I just wanted to, to let people know we will talk exclusively about that at the end of the show. Yeah, you know, we're, we're in a position now where Ring of Honor and New Japan are on one side AEW's on the other side, and then there's WWE as well. And, you know, you're seeing what, what's been a very strong independent scene over the last few years, which has largely been built off, you know, the key figures in AEW working in New Japan and working with Ring of Honor as well. Um, you know, now that the, 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 that has been broken up, you know, 
can Kenny Omega no longer work for New Japan? Is he exclusive to AEW? Uh, where does ROH's talent fit, fit in? Are they? Is anybody who's working for AEW not working for ROH? You know, you've got a much more fragmented market, and it's gonna be there's gonna be you're gonna have a talent grab like we like like like, like we've seen already. And you know, in, in a situation like that, it's not always be, be, be best for the actual end product because I think you know the be, the be, the best the best for the wrestling business. Uh, you know, outside of WWE is people working together. Yeah. And it, I think that's the same as it is in boxing. I think, you know, we, to, to get the best fights being made, you need these promoters working together. Yeah. And that would, that would be interesting, right? Because then you would have to take like, like if, if you, if you, if you consider one boxing promotion to be the biggest of, of, of them all and they get ESPN then you then you're like trying to get like six or seven different promoters to work together and bring together a proposal to another one or two networks to go okay this is you know we're going to work together on this which historically like i mean i don't <clears throat> i'm sure you know boxing for boxing to exist <laughs> all these years you know people have had to definitely work together but again sometimes it's it's all, all almost about you know which network you're under okay well we're both HBO so you know we can make this thing work because we don't have to worry about the the, the platform that we're going to put the fight on but um, instead of uh, instead of talking about kind of you know what fights we're going to miss because there's going to be there's going to be a lot of fights a lot of dream fights that people are not going to be able to see because of the problems that we've talked about let's talk about a couple of the upcoming fights and I think the one that I have circled on my calendar uh, first and foremost is the Manny Pacquiao and Adrian Broner fight. Now, without the promotion piece of this by <clears throat> by Premier, on on paper I look at this fight and I go, okay, Adrian Broner sort of a disappointment as far as where his career ended up. Manny kind of you know he's he's definitely on on the other side of things though he did look good in his last fight. Eh, not all that interested. But when you put the Showtime all-access piece, when you show these guys together on screen, their personalities are, are such a contrast that it's so interesting. Um, I, th I think they've done a really good job with the promotion of this fight and making it something that uh, that people definitely want to see. Now, at what scale, I don't know, because, you know, at, at one point, Manny is, uh, you know, right up there with Floyd as far as the biggest uh, pay-per-view uh, star out there. He's lost some of that, but, you know, we could, we could, the, 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 some of that is also because, you know, he was sort of in and out with top rank and, and Bob was not going to, you know, promote him hard and unless, if he wasn't working for Bob. So, what what how how do you feel that they've done with this fight and you know are you looking forward to it? Yeah, like there wasn't a great clamoring for this fight. I don't think anybody was saying, "Oh, we really need to see Pacquiao Broner in 2019." But with that being said, I think it could be a good fight. Uh, Broner, like him or not, is usually in really good fights. There's two things you had to say about Adrian Broner. He's firstly he's even in the fights he's well beaten in, they're usually good fights. And secondly, they usually draw well. You know, he has been a needle, needle mover. Now, that's been on the TV level. Whether people are going to plonk down 75 bucks on pay-per-view for this, I don't know. Or in what numbers they'll do it. But, you know, I do think it could end up being a surprisingly good show. Uh, you know, on Pacquiao's side, he's just past his 40th birthday now. Um, and I don't know. 
I don't know how you feel about this, but I've kind of turned the corner on Pacquiao again in that I was... I always kind of felt it was it was almost sad watching Manny for a while there to the point, and now it's kind of switched around a bit where I'm a little bit more interested again. You know, he looked good against Matisse. Um, he's got Freddie Roach back in his camp. The messaging that's coming out of it is that he's looking really good. And, you know, when you know the guy like Broner, I think you'd expect him to do a, a good job in there. And, you know, when you look back at Manny's record, you can almost talk your way around to it that <laughs> that he still is a really really good good fighter after all like he had that he had that good performance last time out against Matisse before that and this is a sticking point is the fight against Horn um but if you look you can you can almost put that down as like was that an off night and most people still thought he won that fight yeah you go back to the two fights before that and he fought Bradley and Fargas who are two top, top 10 welterweights and he beat both of those guys handily so if you look at those last four fights his run of form probably isn't as bad as people may have thought um I, you know i think he's still quite he's still money Pacquiao. he's still quite a handful for most guys out there and i think you know on the flip side if you look at broner uh, his run of form has not been good uh you know the the, the, the last while at all in his um He's l- probably lucky to be one, one, and one in his last three, three f- fights. The draw uh, last time out against Fargus, most people had Fargus w- winning. He was beaten well by uh, um, Mikey Garcia, and he scraped by before that against a- a- Adrian Gran- Granados um, on a split decision. So you know he could just as easily be. Owen three in his last three, and if you, even if you look at his Broner's run um, as a welterweight, he's I think you know in welterweight fights he's two 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 and one. Um, uh, like you know he's somebody who was uh, you know up until the point he stepped up to welterweight, he made that first step up, and you probably remember this fight against Polly Malinaji mm-hmm, where he. Mm-hmm. And that was another split of it. Like, it is two wins at welterweight. Granados and Malnashi were both split decision wins, which uh, it's debatable whether he deserved them. But, like, he had been on such a hot run before that, down at super featherweight. And, you know, he made that step up. And, like, I think the thing that came clear was his power doesn't carry a welterweight and without that i don't think broner is a top level fighter because you know when he was coming up in the sport you know there would be there would be portions of fights where he'd be outboxed there'd be portions of fights where he'd be outworked but he had the punch that would that would usually get him out of jail um you know as he's moved up to welterweight he hasn't knocked anybody out so i think you know going into this fight with manny he's at a big big disadvantage here yeah the the uh i think the appeal uh well you know one of the things that you mentioned was that you know we thought you we were a little bit worried with manny and part of that was when freddie was like I don't want this guy to fight anymore. And now Freddie has been saying that for a little while. I haven't watched. But he's the, changed. He's kind of changed his opinion on that in this camp. Yeah, and that's why I haven't watched the second All Access show. But 
to see Freddie and him back together was kind of interesting. Has he said uh, anything specific about why he changed his mind and is and is sort of okay with training Manny again? He didn't. I don't. I haven't seen him address it specifically, but he's just said that he thinks Manny looks great at forty, and he's expecting him to beat Broner and you know maybe knock him out. Which I would be surprised if Pacquiao knocks Broner out just because. I think Broner probably doesn't get enough credit for how tough he is just because he can be a bit of a clown at times and people kind of see that in him. I don't think they realize how tough this guy is. He's been in some hard fights. Like you think back to the Marcus Madonna fight where he got a real beating in that. That was directly after the Malnagy fight we just spoke about. He didn't, he was never close to being stopped in that fight. So, you know, I don't think Manny will stop him, but I, you know, I I, I think, you know, I would be expecting Manny to come out of this with a, a good commanding win and, you know, set himself up for some more big fights. Okay, now, I know we don't like to necessarily, you know... I think I know where this is going. <laughs> well, where, where where does Manny go after this? He doesn't, you know, uh, obviously, I, I don't know the, the deal that uh, he signed with Heyman, but... The, the maybe the last hurrah uh, of his career is a fight that I don't know if a lot of boxing people want to see again, which is the rematch with Mayweather. But could you see that? I mean, we saw Floyd, you know, really uh, take it to poor attention uh, in in the, uh, in the in the show over uh, New Year's. But is that? Do you think is that where this is going? Is that partially why? You know, Manny, Manny headed towards this direction. Um, Broner, obviously, you know, a lot of people thought that he was going to be sort of Mayweather's um, apprentice in, in a sense. And it doesn't sound like they really get along. But uh, it, it, it almost made me wonder, like, you know, the, the style that Broner fights, you know, is this sort of a, a way for Pacquiao to get ready for a second Mayweather fight? I think Manny is certainly angling in that direction. You know, he's been poking fun at Floyd over the last while about over-detention fight. And, you know, he's saying things like his New Year's resolution is to only fight guys that have, you know, had professional (laughs) boxing matches before. That's pretty funny. And things like that. Um, And I've got to say it, right? I wouldn't mind seeing Mayweather Pacquiao again. Um, And a lot of people probably wouldn't be that pleased to hear that, but... I think when it's not the super dream fight, biggest match of all time anymore, and it's just two old fighters who could still go, it's it seems a lot more digestible. Yeah. Um. I guess the question is, does Manny have a better chance this time around? You know, Pacquiao, for better or worse, has still been a relatively active fighter, whereas Mayweather has not. Um. You know, Mayweather's two fights, uh, like two most recent fights anyway, against McGregor and Tension weren't against professional boxers. And his fight before that was against Berto. So, you know, really since Pacquiao, he hasn't had a true test, whereas Pacquiao is still mixing with pretty pretty decent competition. So maybe maybe the scales have evened a little bit. And, you know... Maybe there's maybe, maybe this time around we'll see a much better fight. Maybe, 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 maybe like you know, if it is more even, we'll, we'll put things right, and you know, it'll it will like you know, 
after the disappointment of the first fight, you know, these two had a much better fight later in their career, maybe like, uh, you know, Tommy Hearns and Ray Leonard did. And, you know, maybe they could leave it on a more positive note in people's minds. Now, the flip side is, and this is sort of the, the 180 degree flip side here, which is Pacquiao's name could help some of the welterweights in uh, in, in in PBC. I don't. I I would not like to necessarily see that though. If you if you do think that you know, let, let's say he comes out of this Broner fight uh, looking great, I wouldn't wouldn't the other welterweights, the younger welterweights in that in that uh, under that promotion, be sort of like chomping at the bit to try and you know, make their name, earn uh, their first pay-per-view, uh, you know, buy rate and and do it against somebody who, you know, is 15 years their junior. I, I, I don't know that I would like to see that. I would actually like to see the Mayweather situation happen instead. But what is your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think the one I wouldn't like to see is him in with somebody like Errol Spence, who's young and fast and moves well and with just at this stage of his career, all the things that, you know, Manny would have normally in a fight as a disadvantage, he would be better at. Uh, I like, I wouldn't like to see him against Spence. Maybe, maybe a Keith Thurman or a Danny Garcia might be interesting though. Um, you know, Thurman's just back. He's had a long time out of the sport. He's coming back, uh, later, later in the month. Um, and he's probably somebody, you know, with so much time on the shelf, he's probably going to want to make up for that and ha- have big fights right away. So could that be a, that be a fight a PBC look at? If the Mayweather fight's not on the table, I would see that maybe as an option for Manny. Yeah, the, and and I think, see, the thing is, is, as long as Pacquiao is still competitive, I think he'll be okay. Now, he may not win, but I don't want to see his skills slip and then they sort of feed him because he doesn't have the same relationship, you know, with with Al Heyman as he did with with uh, with Bob and hope, you know, Freddie has proven that uh, when he's tried to look out for Pacquiao, Pacquiao doesn't really listen to him. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Pacquiao listens to anybody, actually, uh, uh, not even Boo Boy. Um, but, I, you know, I, I would one I really would wonder because. One of the reasons you signed Pacquiao is obviously because he brings uh, a, a name to your to your promotion. Uh, he's he's you know he's still one of the most well known boxers out there. But boxing in of itself as a sport, like just sort of that's kind of the way it goes, right? Like the reason why Mayweather and Pacquiao exist is because Oscar decided like, well, um, you know, the, the future of this sport, uh, I kind of have to, to, to see if I can, you know, if I can be competitive with these guys to, to make them stars in a sense, also because he himself, he wanted to keep himself as a star, but you know, that's sort of just the way that, that boxing goes when it comes to these guys. And I would hate to see Manny, uh, at a disadvantage going into the ring as a setup guy to make somebody else at this moment. But you know that's just sort of the way that it's that it's happened. Uh, you know, people remember seeing De La Hoya not come out of his, uh, off of his stool, right? Like, I don't, I, I don't know if I want to see that happen with Manny. No, I, I don't want. To, like, I think the stage we're at now is Manny Pacquiao is not the Manny Pacquiao he was. 
but he's still, by being Manny Pacquiao, he's good enough to mix with all but the very top guys, I think. If it slides another level where Manny Pacquiao is kind of in the Roy Jones territory where he's just a name fighter for an upcoming opponent, I would not like to see like to see him continue. You know, as long as he you know, like if he's beating guys, like say he beats Broner, he's he, he beat, beat Matisse, he beat Fargas, beat Bradley. If he's beating that level of guys, you know, I I, th- I think you know it it, it it it's still fair game for him him to be pursuing you know the, the best welterweights out there. It's you know if we do see that decline, that's when I would like like somebody to step in. And as you said, I don't know if there is that person around Manny anymore that is going to protect him from himself. Yeah, yeah. So uh, moving on, um, Terrence Crawford and Amir Khan. We kind of brought that up earlier. You followed Amir's Khan, Amir Khan's career from the beginning. Uh, you know he he is able to uh, always keep his name around. Um, he was, I think, he was on the first. Was he the first ESPN Plus streaming fight on the, on the network? Yeah, he was. You're right. I had forgotten that. Yeah, and so. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I think he's there to, to help bring a name to Terrence Crawford. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think he is, uh, at the level of Terrence Crawford today, but I think he still has an interesting skill set, and he's, he's still, you know, he's still someone who has a personality that, you know, people sort of love to hate, maybe you, you could say, uh, well, what do you think about this as an actual fight? Because we were we talked a little bit about sort of the how, how you would promote this, or you know maybe the struggles that that they're going to have with this. But what do you think of this as an actual fight? Yeah, I like this is I think I think this is probably the worst fight out there for Khan. If you you know Terence Crawford, you know from watching over the last well, what he just figures guys styles out and time times them, um, and I can see Khan just somewhere in probably quite early just running like Crawford just wait, waiting on him and just clocking him and ending this ending the night earlier um i could tell it again that like you know Eddie Hearn was really pushing for can to can and brook to 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 go go fight each other because like he was like he was saying you know the public aren't gonna aren't gonna forgive them if if they don't have that fight. You know they've been building this rival for year rivalry for years, and you know the people want the payoff. And Khan has again gone a different direction, and there's kind of an arrogance in him that where he's saying like, well, oh, the Brook fight's always going to be there. I don't think it is going to be there because both Khan and Brook looked pretty bad in their last fights. If Khan loses to uh, Crawford and he's knocked out. Who's going to invest in, you know, another rebuild process at this stage of his career to get that fight back on the road? You know, Hearn signed a three-fight deal, which this is the la- with Khan, which this is the last fight of, with the idea that, you know, the payoff for this three-fight deal, giving him two easier fights leading to the Brook fight. Mm-hmm. He's not getting the Brook fight now. Um, 
you now Brook, when he's left in the cold, is probably going to do what he he did last time. Uh, you know, when 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 Can, when Can went out after Canelo, he went out for Golovkin. Uh, he's probably going to look to one up Amir Khan by taking a really tough fight. I don't know whether he'll go for somebody like Keith Thurman or Errol Spence or maybe Sean Sean Porter Porter again. But you know, I think that's just a fight that's now never never going to be paid off, and uh, I think that's a shame. But I, it's just the way way the sport works sometimes, and. Um, you know, we're left with what we're left with. Uh, Can Crawford, it's probably a fight that there'll be some interest in. I don't think it's necessarily any bigger than any other Crawford, any other fight for Terence. But like, it's probably the best one he can make right now because he's limited by his options. Yeah, uh, there's been uh, more information about the possibility of uh, Wilder and Fury doing it again. Uh, I think they did, uh, what was the pay-per-view number, like 3 or 350 or something? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think it's, it's 300 to 350. It depends on who you ask. Um, I, I think Frank Warren has been saying, p- pushing that it was around 350. Yeah, and so, you know, they, uh, T- Tyson Fury... I think people are uh, looking past his sort of last couple years of, of uh, you know, a lot of the things that he said and he did, and they're sort of just writing it off as you know he wasn't he wasn't himself, he wasn't feeling well. Uh, he kind of made himself a, a big star, I think, and to redo this fight is probably for the best interest of him because I think he truly believes that he can he can beat Wilder, and if you watch that fight. Uh, I, I think a lot of people think that he can. Uh, Wilder got a bit of a boxing lesson in that fight. And Wilder himself, it almost seems like even though he got the draw, he feels that he has to rebound and, and do this again and, and put Fury away. So it's kind of interesting the way that both guys are looking at this, being that it was a draw. One guy's looking at it as like, well... I think I won. And the other guy's looking at it what, like uh, I might have lost that fight, which is a really interesting way for, uh, you know, for both guys to just be on the other side of it. But I, I mean, I'm all for them doing this fight again. Not that it was this classic uh, matchup, but I think that the personalities were, were so good. And, and there's there was this hope that Fury as this comeback fighter of the year was going to was going to actually win and sort of break up this this Wilder Joshua, which. I don't know why people were necessarily rooting for that because, you know, the, the fight is Wilder and Joshua. But I think also most boxing fans know that Joshua and Wilder may not even happen. So why not? Let, let's look at this as, as sort of like a, a love triangle of sorts rather than just, uh, you know, two guys. And then, you know, then, then maybe the possibility of, uh, of Klitschko coming back. The, those were the rumors that, that have been going on that you posted in our Facebook group. Uh, and, you know, maybe there is a fourth guy that is, that is out there hanging and, and trying to get back in the mix. So what, what do you think about that whole thing? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that is just a really compelling dynamic between those two in that, you know, I could like you, you, you can be convinced yourself either way that either guy like on a rematch is it should be favored like fury did outbox them for not 85 percent of that fight i would say um you know so you think if he doesn't have you know 
the, give himself the mountain to climb to the first time and coming back from all the time away and losing all the weight and everything. And, you know, he comes and shedding the ring rust. He's probably going to come back better. And, you know, maybe he won't let Wilder get to him at all. Uh, on the Wilder front, he did come very, very close within a second of knocking him out. Like, you know, can he get that shot off er- earlier? I think, you know, the one that kind of reminds me of, do you remember this fight um, when Bernard Hopkins drew with John Pascal? Yes. And Pascal knocked him down early and then he knocked him down a couple of times early and you kind of came out of the fight feeling that like when they rematch... Bernard's not going to get knocked down, so he's probably going to win it. Yeah. Uh, This one is kind of like that, but I'm not as convinced that Wilder can't knock Fury out as I was in that circumstance, because I think if if Wilder hits anybody, he can put put them away. And, you know, he did show that he can find that shot. So I think it is a super interesting fight. It does leave Anthony Joshua out in the cold again. But, like, I think we're at a stage in heavyweight at the moment that we haven't been in in a really long time where it's just a really healthy division you've got you've got the big three in Joshua Fury and Wilder any permutation of them is a, is a great fight uh, outside that you may have Vladimir Klitschko coming back you may have Alexander Usyk stepping up from cruiserweight yeah he's the wild card of all wild cards he's the wild card of all wild cards and then Below that, if you look at all the contenders below that, so maybe, you know, they're not coming up within that, that top five, but any kind of match between these guys would also be great. Like, you know, Joe Parker, Jarrell Miller, Dillian White, uh, Alexander Pofetkin, Luis Ortiz, uh, Cooper Pulov, Carlos Takam, Brian Jennings, Derek Chisora, Yui Fury, Michael Hunter. There's a huge number of guys out there that, like, you know, just just below the, the very top level that, you know, can throw down some really good good and interesting heavyweight fights as well. We could have a really good maybe three to five years. And then, you know, you've got the next generation coming through as well. You, like Frank Warren has a heavyweight, Daniel Dubois, who's only 21 years old. He's 9-0. and 0. Uh, Anthony Joshua, who's would be an arrival promotion promotional stable to him. I think that he's a really, really promising, uh, dangerous young fighter. Then there's all the medalists from the last Olympics are now, uh, pros. You've got, um, Tony Yoka, the, 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 the French man who won gold. He's fought five and oh, um, Joe Joyce, uh, he's promoted by David Hay. He won the silver medalist. He's seven and oh, um, Filip Hergovic, uh, Croatian, 7-0. and now He's promoted by the Sauerlands. And Ivan Dichko, um, a Kazakhstanian fighter who he won twice. He won bronze medals in the 2012 and 2016 Olympics. Um, he's also 7-0 and with seven KOs. So you've got like an- another nucleus of new talent coming through as well to support what's already there. I've probably named, you know, 20 the heavyweights that you can, can mix it at the top level there. And, you know, I can't remember the last time we had that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's quickly go through some of the other fights that are kind of, uh, I wouldn't say as big as the three we just mentioned, but they're, they're fights to look forward to, and they're going to be promoted as such on, on all of their networks. Uh, you mentioned Keith Thurman. I mean, shouldn't he be, I, I guess this is sort of a, a comeback sort of tune up for him, but he, I, I sort of feel like he should be, uh, 
over fighting the Josecito Lopez's of the world at this point. Yeah, I, I think this is really just to brush the, du- uh, the dust off. I mean, that's on January 22nd, 26th on Fox. Um, and I think this is just like Keith had a really long time out of the, out of the ring. He is a much higher level fighter than Josecito Lopez. He, he comes through that through that easily enough. And we're going to see uh, a, a, big, a big fight in the summer, I'm sure. Um, I think that same weekend is uh, Jamie Mungia against uh, Inouye. Uh, Mungia is, uh, uh, you know, sort of up and coming. Uh, uh, what does he fight at? 154? Yeah. Um, but DAZN is, you know, trying to promote him as uh, a- as a big deal. What do you think about that fight? I think that, it, like, he's an interesting one. And I think that's interesting in general in that, like... I think Oscar probably strong-armed his way into, you know, a 10 or 11 fight deal, whatever it is, with the per year deal with the zone out off the back of Canelo. I'm sure they probably didn't necessarily have a, a, a Golden Boy Promotions cards as part of their their their, their 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 roadmap. But, you know, they have them now. And, you know, Golden Boy does have a handful of good stars that like, you know, I want to see them use those dates and start promoting guys. You know, they can promote them on the Canelo undercards, uh, but they can, they also need to, uh, you know, start, start, start creating more, creating more stars outside of that. And Munguia will be one of them. Um, you know, they have a good Irish fighter, Jason Quigley. I'd like to see him uh, book strongly. R- 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 Ryan Garcia is from a, your neck of the woods, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Yeah, he, he's getting good following. Like, they're the type of guys I'd like to see Golden Boy run with uh, with this zone deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to get the rematch with Alvarez and Kovalev. Uh, you know, talk, we, we, we sort of talked about Manny in, in the sense of, you know, he, he's sort of at the end of his run. Where do you think Kovalev stands at this point? I think if Kovalev can't beat um, Alvarez in this one, I think that's it for him. I don't think he's got anywhere else to go. Uh, this is another one that, you know, I think is going to have implications for where uh, where the future of the light heavyweight division lies. Because, you know, uh, one of the other champions, Dimitri Baval, who's kind of one of the hot free agents of the moment, he's talking at the moment that he's between the zone and ESPN as to where he signs, right? Like yeah. he's, he's, he said PBC bid for him if he's not interested. And that makes sense because the champions are on those networks. Now, this is kind of goes back to what I was saying about networks becoming a, a destination for particular divisions. Um, Grozic fights with top rank. He'll be on he will be on ESPN. Um, Alvarez fights with top rank. He will be on ESPN. Baturbiev fights with the zone. He will be, uh, or fights with Matrium. He'll be on the zone. So I would, like, I would imagine the reason why Bafal is hedging his bets on where he signs is he wants to see what happens in this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously Kovalev would be a main events fighter, which would, put him in another camp altogether but if Alvarez wins probably the place for him to be would be ESPN because then both Gvozdik and Alvarez will be on ESPN he signs there and he's got a route to two of the other champions right right 
Um, there's a Javante Davis and Abner Mara's fight. Uh, Errol, Errol Spence, we talked a little bit about that. It gets Mikey Garcia. And then the sort of the, the big circle, you know, you, you basically circle dates with these guys. You don't even really have a fight necessarily picked out yet. But April 12th is circled as a Lomachenko date. And then April 13th is Joshua back at Wembley. Have you heard anything about uh, opponents for either guy? Uh, no, like th- the obvious one for Joshua seemed to be it was going to be Dillian D- D- White. But, you know, the rumors now seems to be that maybe that fight will be Dillian D- D- White ag- against Vladimir Klitschko returning, which is a really interesting fight. D- Dylan's been on a great run since since losing to J- Joshua. He's, he's he's just coming off a good, very good, two very good wins back to back against Parker and uh, Chisora. Um you know, Vladimir coming back, what does he have left? Like, you know, maybe that will be a Wembley fight. And then maybe if that is the Wembley fight, then maybe Joshua decides to test the market over in America and, you know, take somebody like a Jarrell Miller in, you know, maybe a casino show in America as he doesn't have to fill out a stadium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is there any any uh, any other guys you're keeping your eye on in sort of the first quarter of the year this year? Um, we've got Katie Taylor um, uh, St. Patrick's weekend going for her third world title against Rose Valente uh, that, that's one um, that you know that'll be the same that's the same weekend as Spence Garcia so that's good uh, boxing weekend um, and another thing that's that's you know that's come back to life I suppose is the Super Series that's going to be like there was rumors that you know that may not continue, um, and it looks like what like there was talk that fighters hadn't been paid and things like that. They've announced that May we're going to see the uh, junior welterweight semifinals. They're both going to be on uh, the same night in Scotland, uh, which makes sense. Josh Taylor is the biggest draw out of the four fighters left. He'll be against Ivan Bracic and. Uh, Regis Progress will be fighting on that same bill against Kirill Relic. You know, you'll be expecting Taylor and Progress to both come true with, from that. And then, you know, they'll probably, I would imagine they might do the final then again. You know, that will set up the final uh, also in Scotland later in the year. So, you know, d- 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 you know, and then also, obviously, uh, there's the bantamweight and cruiserweight divisions in the Super Series. And, you know, I'm glad that that is going, g- going to continue because I think it's produced some, you know, really good good stuff for us over the last last year year or so um i don't think long term it's going to survive if it's having these troubles now i reckon when we get to the end of season two i don't think there'll be a season three so uh, it's one i i just enjoy while we have it um and you know we mentioned him already as sort of the wild card of the heavyweight division but check out our uh our fight game blog awards the boxing edition Yusik, uh, he almost swept completely the uh, the boxer of the year, and uh, the one guy who 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 picked against him, you know, admitted he's like, you know what? Now that I think about it, I should have picked him instead of uh, I think he picked Terence Crawford. So he would have he would have swept the the boxer of the year category for us. But you know, if you haven't seen him. Uh, go out of your go out of your way to check him out because he's sort of the the guy who can come up next uh, and 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 maybe you know you were talking about the heavyweight division I mean he co- if he comes in he changes the the division altogether so 
keep your eye on him as well. So the uh, you know before we get out of the boxing stuff, what's your uh, what's your Manny and, and, and uh, Adrian official prediction? Um, I'm picking a Pacquiao decision, probably wide, maybe some like ten rounds to two. And you mentioned uh, as well that th- there's something interesting on the undercard that you wanted to talk about. Oh yeah, like there was there is something to this undercard that I just thought you know there's it's the type of thing that I like following, which is um it's a story that go, go, kind of goes back to the 2012 Olympics, and you know that to me was kind of of recent years has been best assortment of talent we've had arise from any Olympics you know that's where Joshua came from Yusa came from there Lomachenko uh, Luke Campbell Clarissa Shields Katie Taylor Nicola Adams but like even in that even in that um, there was fighters who didn't medal that were you know really good fighters Um, the US team the much maligned US team uh, (laughs) from that that Olympics as far as the men go at least like the the girls did well Marlon Esparza won bronze and Shields won gold and no US males medaled in that Olympics but it it has since produced some really good pro fighters one of those would be Errol Spence Mm -hmm. and another one would be Rushi Warren. And the reason why I bring up this fight is because the fight Warren is having on the undercard of the of, of Broner Pacquiao is a rematch of his 2012 Olympics match with Nordin Ovalli of France. Um, if you don't know Warren, he was the guy who was kind of a super talented US amateur. He competed for America in three different Olympics. Uh, he, his first one was 2004, then 2008 and 2012. He has the, I, 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 I guess, you know, uh, the, 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 the dubious honor of, you know, having lost in all three of those Olympics in the first round. And the first one, you know, he was the youngest member of the U.S. team in uh in 2004, he lost to the great Su Shiming of China. No shame there. In 2008, I think was probably the most disappointing one for him because he lost in the first round to guy, a Korean fighter who was quite unheralded, and he kind of gave away the fight. I think he thought he was ahead in the cards, and he kind of gave it away. And then there was this one in 2012, which we're going to talk about against Uvali, which was a really good fight. Um, Warren got off to a flyer of the start. It was a really good first round. He was up by three points at the end of the first round. Kind of went into defensive mode. Uvali came back strong. Warren still one point ahead going into the final round. And then in the end, Uvali got the decision after the third round, 19 points to 18. Um, you know, since then, Warren's got, gone on to have a good run as a pro. Um you know, he's won and lost world world titles. Uh, you know, in world title fights, he, 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 he split a pair of fights with Juan Carlos Piano, who we saw in the Super Series recently. Um, you know, he lost the first one by split, and then he won the second one. And then, you know, he he lost the title back then in his next fight. You know, he's rebuilding again now. Um 
Against Ubali, he's kind of a fairly an unproven force. Um, as a pro, I think he's like 14 and 0, but he's never fought away from home. You know, Ubali has that advantage of having that win over um, Warren in the Olympics, but you know he doesn't have the same pro 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 experience. So you know, it's just a nice little story to follow through. You know, these two guys seven years on and you know seeing if Warren can avenge that loss I, I just like I that's one I thought like people would be interested in and the other one is another guy from th- 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 that team um who's in a really good fight um and that is Marcus Brown he's again like he was also in the 2012 Olympics he also went out first re- round uh, at light heavyweight Marcus was in a much different position than Warren going into the Olympics as he was just a very young guy. I think he's still only 28 now. Um, but he's taken on Badu Jack, who, you know, Badu, who's had those big fights. He's fought James DeGale. He's fought Adonis Stevenson. He's fought George Groves. He's had that big fight experience. You know, he's, I think he's a, he's a veteran now at 35. Marcus Brown, undefeated young fighter, you know, this is kind of a nice crossroads fight for him. You know, can, can he beat be, be Jack and fulfill his potential? So those are just two matches. I thought, you know, it, you know, I think I don't know what you'll you'll get with Warren Ubali just because Ubali, such as a pro, is a, such an unproven force. But you know, there's an interesting story to that. And I think the other match, uh, the Mar- 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 Marcus Brown against Badu Jack, I think it's a real 50-50 in, interesting crossroads fight. All right, so we are going to change gears, and we're going to talk a little bit of pro wrestling now. And on uh, yesterday, which would have been Saturday, so this will, this will be out on Monday. We're recording it on Sunday. We watched the TakeOver uh, UK show, the NXT UK TakeOver show. Now, there was a couple of interesting things about it. One, you know, we rarely, I, at least on the U.S. side, we rarely get to watch uh you know pro wrestling that early in the morning these days it used to be the sort of the time frame for superstars of wrestling back in the day so it's kind of fun watching a wrestling show that early in the morning on a saturday sort of kind of made me remember think about my childhood a little bit um but uh secondly um it is for a product that i am not currently watching now the NXT takeovers have been so fantastic, the U.S. ones, that I pretty much knew that the show was going to be good. So I didn't really need to go and watch the old TV. But uh, but it was it was uh, it was a good show. I don't know if I would say it was a great show. I don't know if it was necessarily the best show for their sort of first U.K. Uh, NXT takeover show. But, uh, you know, you know these guys a lot better than I do. So I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the show overall and uh, what some of your uh, some of your favorite matches were from the show. Yeah, I think as far as favorite matches goes, I thought the opener was probably the the best match. Like I have like, you know, obviously um, Mustache Mountain are, you know, two of the big, big, big stars of that UK brand. They're kind of uh, the guys that they're built, uh, they're building around. But uh, I think Drake and Gibson are, you know, just been a, an absolutely excellent tag team and, you know, great old school heels, great workers. And, you know, I thought that you know, set things off very well. Uh, I thought it was, you know, a really good show overall. You know, I didn't, I thought Jordan Devlin against, Finn Balor probably could have been in it, you know, 
given more time and, you know, it a better setup and a bit more hype, it probably could have been a better match than it was. But the way it was, it was a nice little surprise on the card. And, you know, I thought everything on the card was pretty much as advertised. I don't think there was anything bad on the card. Um, you know, maybe in the main event, they went a little bit too long. Um, Joe Coffey and Pete Dunne, I thought it was a good match and they both worked really hard. But, you know, it maybe it kind of lost its way a little, a little bit along the way. Um, but, you know, they, they finished it then strongly with, with, with the debut of Walter. You know, I think for the UK brand to not seem as an afterthought, they really need to be hitting home runs every time. And I'm not sure this was a home run, but it was close to it. Um their TV to me has been solid, but it's not been spectacular. And I think just with so much product out there, that's not enough right now. I think it needs to be better than that. And, you know, I thought this was a step in the right direction as far as kicking things off. But I guess, you know, it, it, like it, 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 it'll depend if they can sustain interest long term. You know, I don't, I don't think... I don't, I don't think, you know, even in the UK market, this is a particularly hot brand at the moment. So I'm not sure that it's it's going to transfer worldwide at all. Yeah, the, it's, uh, <clears throat> I would say, now, I think these takeover shows, part of the, the reason that you want to do great shows is because that you hope something big happens and that it's sort of a cliffhanger to the next TV uh, I don't know that they had that, though. I mean, I'm sure some people will want to see, you know, what Walter says uh, on the first the first show of, uh, of of the new tapings. But I think so. I, I would say up through Tony Storm beating uh, Rhea Ripley. I thought the show was like a B plus B plus a minus just really solid. I think I agree with you that the tag match was was the best match. And but I did think that what was going to prove to be uh, to me, whether it was a good show or not, or a great show was going to be the main event, because I don't really know Joe Coffey that well. But I love Pete Dunne. Obviously, he's one of the best guys going. And I I I can't put the blame on Dunne as far as my my enjoyment of the match, it seemed to me now, you know, I could be off here, but it seemed to me that coffee was a little nervous and that he was trying to remember lots of spots rather than just sort of being naturally engaged and like kind of riffing off of uh, what Dunn was doing. He got better. I mean, and, and the, the, the match went way long, like you said. Um, and and I, I sort of feel like, there's this uh, segment of fans who desperately wanted this match to be a five star match because of, you know, sort of what it means to them as as fans of of this brand. And when I watched it, I was like, OK, if you want to add, you, you know, if you want to give it credit because, you know, they took it to the end and, and, and the last few minutes were good, I say that's fine. But you, to me, you could have, like, depleted, like, 10 minutes of the middle of that match, and it would have been actually better. So I don't know that just because something is long, you actually have to say that it was a great match, uh, because I think that there were certain things that I didn't think really made a lot of sense, 
They looked really goofy. And I never bought coffee as winning the title. Just not, just it was just not even it would have been the biggest surprise for me to have him win this match. And so I, I don't feel like I was completely invested in it for that there reason. Was one reason why I actually thought that maybe he would. And that was because I was at I was at the last progress show when you know, they made it clear that both Dunn and Bate are not going to be working there anymore. And when I saw Mustache Mountain uh, in the opener, and, you know, then then we have Dunn in the main event, I was thinking maybe WWE are taking British Strong Style out of NXT UK and moving them to main roster or Mm -hmm. moving them to like the performance center. Um, so that was the one reason why I thought maybe coffee may win this, win this match. Mm. But, you know, I I can understand, you know, like that, not having that perspective, you probably think like, you know, Dunn's been the pushed guy for so so long. And, you know, coffee kind of came into this, promoted as more of an afterthought so i can understand why you wouldn't see there being credibility in a win there but i you know i was thinking that it was it's a possibility but i do agree with you i think it suffered because of how long it went and yeah i think they did overcomplicate things a little bit now they did leave like you said when walter came out like i mean walter and pete dunn is gonna be every every adjective that you want to explain uh awesomeness right like that that's going to be a great great match um and you know done uh i'm sorry uh bait and uh trent seven as a tag team like they're you could put them on raw or smackdown right now and they'd be you know one of the two or three best tag teams going i don't want them to do that because wwe doesn't push tag teams <laughs> but like especially uh tyler bait like there's no reason why he should be on this show because he deserves to be on the main roster. He deserves to be, um, you know, in the mix uh, with, with the top that, guys. And I think that's going to be one of the big questions moving forward is if if you see these, like, really high-level UK guys like, you know, Dawn or Bate or even, like, you know, Mark Andrews or somebody like that, who you look at and think, those guys belong on the main roster – and they do, we, they do just start getting stockpiled in NXT UK, and there isn't any upward mobility on that. You know, I think that's, I think that's going to be uh, detrimental very quickly. I think, you know, if we kind of, if we, if this is kind of just seen as a store for places, a store for people, where you know people aren't co- like it, like I think, you know. Uh, the crowd needs to interpret this as a step to WWE. You know, it's like the way they do in NXT, the main NXT is that like, you know, if somebody's successful there, they're probably on their way to the, the main roster once they finish their, finish, finish their commitments. That needs to be what kind of, that link needs to be established and they have to be uh, unafraid to take it, take, to, you know, may, maybe taking Pete Dunne and, you know, Tyler Bate and those guys isn't the best thing for NXT UK short term because they need those guys in it. Yeah. Maybe it is long term because it shows the crowd that it, or it shows the audience that like what they're watching is important in the bigger picture. Yeah. But I think by branding it 
NXT UK, you're sort of telling the audience this is a a a uh, a place where people are are going to to get noticed so that they can go to the main roster. Um, if they would have just called it, you know, WWE UK, then I would have thought that they would have these guys establish themselves and sort of stick around for a while. But because it it does have that NXT uh, branding, I do feel like, you know, they are they are getting these guys ready for for main roster. But the other thing, though, is, like you said, you still have to establish this this brand. So that's you know, that's why they won't come up immediately. But like to say that, like Pete Dunn or Tyler Bate or some of these other guys like aren't of the caliber, like, come on, like that, like they are clearly of the caliber and better than most of the guys on the current main roster for, for both raw and SmackDown. Well, in, in Walter's case, you know, better than near, nearly everyone, and everyone. And he hasn't even <laughs> had a match in, in NXT UK. Like he, he, like his stature of, of a wrestler as being like one of the hottest guys, not in uh, uh, WWE, like in the past, you know, you, you would sort of, launch him immediately onto the main roster but in this case because he does come from overseas there's uh you know the 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 wwe audience is not smart enough to really know who he is necessarily so i mean i agree with them bringing him to the nxt uk show first to kind of build him up but this isn't the same thing as like you know they would do the same thing with samoa joe who if he would if he went to WWE TV immediately, I think most of the fans would know who he was. This is a little bit different because I, I do think that, you know, him coming out to challenge somebody wouldn't really get a pop because the fan base is just, you know, so focused and in that WWE bubble. Yeah, but like, you know, there, there, are, there are guys there in, in the main NXT now, like um, Matt Riddle, mm-hmm. um, Keith Lee, you know, how long do you keep those guys in? Or like, especially in Keith Lee's case, he's not that young a guy. I think he's well into his thirties, if if I'm correct. Like, can you like if when you're putting all that money in these guys, should they be staying around for like two years in NXT? Well, it's like, what is WWE strategy? Right? Is WWE strategy to sign Matt Riddle? because they see him as the next big thing and to build him into a main event wrestler? Or are they signing these guys to keep them away from other companies? Like, I think, I mean, it's probably both to some extent, but not for everybody. Like, I I don't know how they view Keith Lee, but if there was no ROH or AEW, would they necessarily have... You know, maybe maybe for him, yes, because he's, he he sort of fits their mold. But other guys, like, would they really sign these guys if it wasn't for the competition, which is great for the wrestlers? But um, uh, Big Dave uh, Meltzer reported that WWE was interested in Bandito. B- Bandito doesn't fit what they want at all. Like, absolutely not. But the fact that he was on the all the All In show, and you know, he's been making his name, and you know, he's actually really great. They were sort of interested in him, but not interested enough to to offer him, you know, enough money to sign with them. But this is like stuff like that where they're trying to play keep away so that these other organizations uh, are, you know, are unable to grow. 
And uh, and I, so I do worry about those kind of guys because they're, they're just going to basically give up two years of their career to be in developmental, you know, forever and uh, and, you know, maybe not ever get a chance like that's a, that's a risk for these guys. And for some guys like Bandito, maybe the best move for him is to be outside of that, because, you know, if they got him, he may have just ended up on 205 Live. Um. Like the two examples that I would think of, or no, actually three examples that I, I would think of are all New Japan guys, um, and two two of them had ha- had a slight ru- a short run in WWE, which would be Kota Bushi and Will Osprey, or not Kota, or not Will Osprey, um, Zack Saber Jr. Zach, and yeah. the other, and the and the other one would be Will Osprey. All three of those guys. Uh, like you know Coda and Zach obviously were in the Cruiserweight Classic and Will obviously you know he was somebody WWE desperately wanted Mm -hmm. all of those are better off for having not gone there because look where their careers are now and look at the guys who were in that Cruiserweight Classic absolutely I mean outside of I guess Gargano like you know, Gargano's sort of still uh, at, at an at an echelon where you can, you know, maybe not to their level because he still is in sort of NXT, uh, and which is which is a lower visibility. But yeah, no, absolutely, they they definitely made the right decision, and it's uh, it's it's it sort of dovetails into the other conversation. We we tease it a little bit, but all elite wrestling and what they bring to the table. Now they have uh, a carrot uh, being one Kenny Omega, who is, uh, you know, just at a different level from a name perspective and from, you know, a free agent perspective than, than anybody else going right now. He is like the, you know, he's like the, the LeBron James of, of free agents right now, as far as, you know, who, who, Every, everybody wants him, right? And so if he is all elite, which it definitely seems like he is, that creates an avenue for them to, uh, you know, for both what you mentioned earlier, which is, you know, can they continue a partnership with New Japan? I think New Japan would, would want to almost explicitly because of him. Like, they've they've... Basically, he's there, you know, he was their champion and he's been the best bout machine and just so synonymous to their brand. And also, you know, once they do get a TV deal, um, he becomes a main player like maybe nobody else who was non WWE in the U.S. market uh, since, you know, the end of WCW. And that and that is so interesting to me just because of the visibility uh, of them getting TV in the U.S., him being the top guy, you know, Jericho will will be there as well, and and they'll they'll you know keep a lot of guys, but really he's kind of like uh, he he he's the, he's the the main guy I think, and to see him and to see what they do based off of his name and his name value and what he he does in the ring, like it's just it's just going to be uh, a different sort of thing than we've ever seen before because. You know who's doing five star matches on on national television in the U.S. Like nobody. Like that. You know, at Raw will have some matches that are fairly good. Uh, not to say that Omega's gonna like 
every TV taping, like do 30 minute, you know, matches or anything. But just the, the idea that you have the best wrestler going today uh, or, you know, one of the top two or three going today in a company that is going to um, market themselves as really good sport style, strong wrestling, I think is, is, is so intriguing to me. And I, I'm, you know, someone was asking me the other day or no, someone was telling me, he's like, well, if you hope for their success, then you sort of can't, um, you can't be unbiased towards how you view them. And I was like, no, that's not true because I'm not going to, you know, in my hoping that they succeed, it's not because I want the group to succeed more than anyone else. It's just, I want the industry to, uh, to get hotter and to, and to succeed. And as has been proven, when WWE has a competitor, it often brings out the best in WWE. And so I think that changes everything we've already seen. You know, you mentioned the, uh, the the competition for talent and having to overpay for guys and and that creates a great market for for the wrestlers uh being a free agent uh you know sooner than later for some of these guys is going to be like a blessing in disguise because they're going to come right up and they'll have three uh three companies vying for their their services but i guess that whole long preamble was to kind of ask you the question which is I know you've been a little bit more, I would say, I wouldn't say pessimistic because I don't think you're down on them, but I think you're a little bit more conservative in how you think they will do. And uh, I kind of want to know why that is, but also beyond that, like, do you, like, what has to fall in place for them that it would sort of change your mind that, okay, maybe they can make something out of this? Yeah, well, like, coming out of All In, I was actually very positive as on this being the group to actually to, to break through in the industry, uh, you know, but I saw that uh, uh, on the back of the success of All In as a production of The Elite, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Ring of Honor. And I think, you know, if Kenny Omega becomes exclusive to All Elite, I think it's bad for everybody. I think it's bad for Kenny because the only pl- it's going to, like, diminish his standing because if that's the only place he can be see- seeing his visibility is going to de- decrease massively. Um, I, think it's, I think it'll be bad for All Elite because it will mean that they're not working with New Japan or, or OH, and I don't think they can can survive with, without one, if not both. It'll be bad for New Japan because, you know, so much of, the, of their growth has been built around, you know, Kenny, those elite guys, they they need them back in the promotion. And, you know, it would also it would also be bad for Ring of Honor because they, they also need those guys. So, you know, I think it would water down all all entities in that equation if Omega was to sign just with all elite. Now, would we be looking at a situation then where we spoke with spoke about in boxing with the zone with Canelo moving to the zone if Kenny was exclusive to all elite and it didn't work you know and he's tied up for you know maybe three or five years in this you know that's probably at Kenny's age that's probably the rest of his career mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know that would be kind of where my pessimism w- would be uh the glass half full 
approach would be that all elite are going to figure this out. They're going to get back working with New Japan. You know, Kenny will be working in New Japan and all elite. And, you know, hopefully maybe those guys can go back to ring of honor as well. You know, if they can, if they can kind of, you know, put all those pieces back together, I think, you know, they, they do have the makings of a really strong brand there. But, you yeah. know, I do, I do, I, I do think, I do think All Elite needs something else. I think it needs an established entity with it to be successful. I think out on its own, I wouldn't hold much much hope for them succeeding long term. Now, if they got on US TV, uh, and I mean, it's not only US TV, right? There, there are tons of, of you know, WWE has historically had, uh, you know, issues with, with their international partners. Um, there, there are avenues for all elite to kind of wiggle their way in, you know, to different markets. Now, if they got, uh, you know, the, 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 the one rumor out there is, um, is Turner. I think that's been sort of uh, written about an, enough for me to, to say that that's kind of a rumor out there. But if they did get on Turner and they did get on a good time slot and they did get paid uh, a decent amount of money for, you know, for that first run programming, it does give them a little bit of a playground. Now, the, you know, the the thing about the thing that scares me, uh, just knowing how sort of the startups work is just the amount of money that they're going to have to sign for, for simply for talent. Now, you, you should always want to pay talent because if you believe that they're worth what you're paying them, then they will pay off, you know. In the, in the long run, but just having to make a, a lot of high dollar uh, salaries uh, on a payroll when you haven't really run a show yet, like that's a little bit scary. It's not necessarily what you would call a lean startup. But um, yeah, you know, there there are so many different things that they can do and be inventive and creative that that WWE at one time was really good at or, or hasn't even thought about yet. Right. Because they're a machine now. WWE is a machine. They they. They are just sort of plugging, uh, plugging and playing right now because they've created this this uh, tremendous uh, business. But there are things that they can do, and I think there's a secondary. I think I think there's a subset of fans that are there who will give them a shot. I think my main worry is is if you do get on a big network like that, how do you go from thousands? to hundred thousands and then how do you go from hundreds of thousands to millions uh from a viewing from a viewership perspective that that it seems to be really hard for companies that you know have been out there for a long time as a startup as a new brand who you know has really done one big show and has some YouTube streaming and it has good social media to take it to that next level, I think is, 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 I would love to see that business plan. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um, and I think again, what you were saying about, you know, attracting talent and have to overpay, you know, a lot of people do complain about WWE that are there or, you know, look for, you know, we've seen guys who look for a way out and then oftentimes they look for a way back in just as quick. Um, you know, Rey Mysterio would be a perfect example of that. Um, and as far as attracting talent goes, I just wonder if 
how many people are going to give up that security blanket of WWE or some if the, if that option's on the table to go with an unproven group? Um, I think on the flip side, though, you do when you're saying about building an audience, you do have to give them some credit in that, you know, that rally uh, where they announced, uh, where, where, where they made the all elite announcement. Um, I think they said there was like what was it, a hundred thousand people watching? Um, yeah, with all of their, cause they, they were on Facebook live, they were on YouTube, they were on Twitter and they were streaming on Instagram. So I think a combination of all those four. Yeah. Like that is for, you know, not like, you know, not a traditional network, you know, to get like a hundred thousand people streaming anything online mm-hmm. is is kind of impressive. So I think you do have to give them something for that. There is something there. There is obviously an interest. And, it's, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't even a show. It was just a press conference. You know, that is in itself an impressive feat. Um, you know, I guess the other thing is where the ceiling is as well. You know, we've talked about on this show before, you know, the boom there has been in the Indies wrestling and all these places selling out shows and, you know, them doing big attendances and things like um, All In where, you know, they did a big sellout or what Ring of Honor doing Madison Square Garden. You know, can you do that on a one-off? And, and, you know, where is the ceiling? You know, when you start to put this onto a major network, you know, is your ceiling just, the people who are currently watching you on your YouTube channel, you know what I mean? Can, can they transfer over to other people? Is it the people who bought all in? Are they still going to be the, is that to, as big as your market can get for the next pay-per-view? All right. I have one question, sort of a fantasy booking kind of question, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, they, they bring out Jericho as the main event of the rally. All, all of a sudden, you know, that's a, he's a game changer for sure, especially for TV, right? If you have Jericho, he's an established WWF superstar, uh, you know, one of the biggest, you know, wrestling stars of the of the past, uh, you know, 20 years, really. So if you had one, because just, just what you're saying, you, you, you are basically saying, how do you grab the attention of those WWE-only fans? And historically especially during the the Monday Night Wars, it was to kind of, you know, grab talent and and debut talent from the other show on your show. If you could get one guy or woman from WWE to debut on your very first All Elite show to do what you just said, which is to pull an audience uh, who may not be familiar with their product, but may be familiar with the wrestler that you're attempting to to sign or to to showcase on your TV? Who would that one wrestler be? I assume we're ruling out, say, John Cena <laughs> or, the, or the Rock. Yeah, I think I think you'd have to rule out those guys. Probably Roman too. Roman's WWE. Maybe the Undertaker. He's he probably wouldn't do anything with those guys. Would you be looking at maybe then Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens as the best fit for what they're trying to do? The guys who can go in the ring as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think those would be the kind of guys that you would look at. Though, 
I think Rollins is seems to be uh, pretty entrenched. Uh, I think he's probably going to get a, a really good opportunity this year. Uh, Kevin Owens is is a great one. Um, like yeah. Finn Balor would be another one, but again, I think he's pretty entrenched in WWE at this stage as well. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, but there are opportunities like, you know, uh, historically uh, the Bucks have kind of shouted out you know, the New Day or the Revival or teams like that. You know, I think the New Day is probably pretty entrenched there, though. Uh, they, they you know, are sort of a big enough name. The Revival, probably not a big enough name to really make a, a difference, you know, in that sort of crossover, but would be a fantastic team for them to add. But yeah, I was, you know, I was just sort of thinking like, you know, if you did want to do that, who who is your kind of your guy or, or your wrestler to, to grab, uh, to to pull over to, to to drive some audience, you know. I think the person who I, I I don't know if they have a chance, but who could do that for them um, might be AJ Styles because I think he's such a big WWE superstar today. But you would have to probably you know really overpay him because he you know he turned himself into uh, a very a very good career in in WWE when I think most of us were kind of wondering how they would use him uh, in the beginning. But he would be a guy who, you know, I guess the other one would be Daniel Bryan. Those are the two that I think would are are sort of big enough stars. I'm thinking if you put Kenny Omega versus Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles, you are going to you're you're definitely getting some kind of bump on that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, d- uh, you know, who knows what Brian's contract is like, because he I think he just recently re-signed. But AJ, you know, AJ uh, would have been up. Let's see. When when did he, when did his he, he when he came in? So I, I don't exactly know what his contract looks like either. But I think those are the kind of guys who if you really wanted to make that big splash, you know, at some point, those are kind of the guys you have to go after. And I think they fit that brand. Right. They fit the style of, of what AEW is trying to do. They have a big enough name from WWE. They also came from like this indie world. And so they have that kind of like that grassroots uh, in them. But, uh, but yeah, th- those would be the guys. And, and who knows, you know, Tony Khan seems to be really paying for, for talent and, and it'll take an overpay, I'm sure. Cause how can you get, you know, WWE has so many, uh, you know, they have like, uh, this bank account of seemingly, you know, not endless money, but, but just this treasure, treasure chest of cash that they could toss at these guys. So you're going to have to, you know, offer, I'm sure, you know, certain things that they can't. And, and that'll be an interesting thing to see how they could get creative with, uh, with signing some of these guys. And I think, I think what you're, you're putting it about, like, you know, WWE upping their game if somebody can put pressure on them. I think it would be very interesting to actually see WWE under pressure for the first time in a long time, just because the company has been so flat for so long. I'm just wondering if they can be reflexive and respond if, you know, if they had to, you know, if they had to turn out the good stuff, is that still in them? Could could they turn things around? Or, or like you know, is this just what we have in WWE? They've been doing doing their product one way for so long. It's just what they know, and it's what you're going to get come hell or high water. Well, did you see the Vince tweet uh, yesterday about the UK show? 
Uh, no. So I, I I didn't hear this while watching the show, but I guess there was a there was a chant in the crowd something about is Vince watching or something like that, and then Vince tweeted that he heard he heard the crowd and yes he was watching. It was a great show. <laughs> it was almost like it was almost like. Uh, Okay, like Vince is, you know, Vince has got to be a little bit more on his game these days. But who knows? Because he's got the football league coming up too, right? And that's going to take up a lot of his time. So it's almost like uh, there's this weird mix of timing and and, and things for for AEW. Like I think the opportunity is there because I think you know WWE's become very complacent, but they've they also set the market. Like like in order for you to come in and be successful, like. It's on the heels of WWE just setting the market for what you can make in pro wrestling. And so it's just like it's a really great time. And, you know, you have a lot of these smart people and, you know, the Bucks and Cody and Kenny, I, I would say they're they're all uh, very savvy in their own way. And it's just going to be kind of fun to watch. And again, I will I am rooting for them, you know, not necessarily because, you know, I want to see the the company succeed, but just I think it just makes pro wrestling uh, in more interesting, better, more successful, and if you're a fan of a sport, that's what you want to see. You want to see it healthy, and I think it. I think they will make if they if they can come out swinging and do some good things. I just think it makes the business healthy overall. It, it, like if things pan out correctly, it can. It can. You know, it, 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 our worry is the same thing again. That you know what happened in boxing and we diluted the talent pool with a, with a three-way split and we see more of a standoff that would be my concern but look I, I'm I'm in the corner as well like when that that double or nothing show comes up I'm going to be buying it on iPay-per-view I'll definitely be interested you know with All In I'd say it wasn't particularly a show that was aimed at me 100% but I'd say I enjoyed seventy-five percent of what they d- did, and I thought it, I thought it, thought it felt fresh. And you know, hopefully, we can get more of the same from them. I am saying it here and now. I booked my hotel for Double or Nothing, so I am making sure to be there. It it just seems like a great event, and and I kind of want to see. You know, it, it's fun to be at the beginning of things. Uh, and, and be you know see the sort of the genesis of of how things happen. And I missed all in. I uh, wasn't able to go to that show, but I, I will be at, at Double or Nothing. So that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a really fun weekend. Yeah, like I, 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 I'm, I'm sure it will. And you know, I don't know. I, I, I would expect that hopefully, you know, coming out of that, they will have a TV deal to announce that. You know. You know, that would be the perfect spot for them to launch that, would you not think? Yeah, no, I mean, I I would think that they may have it earlier than that. I, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't have any information on that. But, you know, I think I think when you are doing something like this, you're sort of saving, you know, announcements and you're kind of spacing them out. And like the rally was like the first one. Right. And then there's. um they're 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 going to be announcing you know if and when they get Kenny right they'll, they'll announce that and then you have some space and then maybe it's a TV deal and then at you know at double or nothing then they announce something else so I think just sort of like if I'm like you know running their uh, their their marketing I I, I want to create these events 
so that the fan base has something to look forward to and you're constantly reminding them that thing you know this is coming like this is coming like here's more news here's more information but you're spacing it out in a very smart way to uh to and to 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 you know to really thank those fans but also just to get people talking like wow like what are they doing they you know what's next who's next who are they getting next um, you know, now it's a TV deal. Now what are they doing? Oh, it's a, you know, it's the all elite wrestling podcast network, you know, just stuff like that to where you kind of space it out sort of leading up to this, you know, this fir- first leading up to double or nothing and then leading up to maybe, uh, the, the next all in in Chicago and then to the TV show. Like you just have the, like these events that, that kind of help you with your, your, your word of mouth and your marketing and your PR and all that. And uh, I, I think, you know, I think everybody who, is interested in this stuff is like has all these ideas for what they would do with all elite wrestling. And like, you know, with my background, you know, I, I, I'm mostly in community, but I'm under a, a marketing, uh, a marketing web. And I'm like constantly thinking of like all these like ideas. What would I do if I had this like blank slate and you're like pushing towards a date? Like, what are the things that I would do? Like I, you know, you just all come up with all these ideas and it's all in sort of like the creativity of, of the, uh, of the uh the just the clean slate that they have and it's going to be fun to watch and see how things work and how they go about it and if if you know uh you you do confirm that tv deal um before double or nothing would you look at maybe using double or nothing you know obviously going first out live on pay-per-view and then maybe a week or two later having that as your as the debut episode of your TV show, or maybe like as a, as a precursor to a week before your TV show, look, you have the chance to watch the show that everybody was talking about. And, you know, then, you know, you, you do, you do do that as, as, as your first week's TV. And then, you know, the second week you're into your first live broadcast, just giving another way to just trail out your announcements and, you know, you know, use your content smartly. Absolutely. Um, I think that would be a really I think that'd be a really cool idea. The other thing that I was thinking about is okay, so you, you know, you're trying to create these different um these just these different streams, right? Different revenue streams. Now, you have a TV deal. Let's say they get one. How would you market your pay-per-views? Now, let's say and uh, you know the reason why I was thinking about this is because WWE, they have, they make money off of TV, they make money off of their WWE network, and then they have these deals with Facebook. Like they're doing, the, these are more like tests, right? The mix match challenge, you know, let's test these other things. And so it's not like because they have this deal with USA. It's not like they had to put Mix Match Challenge on USA's streaming platform, whatever it is, right? So if you're all elite, could you have your TV with, if it's Turner, Turner, and then take what would be your five pay-per-views a year and go, well, we'll either put them on pay-per-view and you could you could build up a pay-per-view business for sure, or... We look at one of these other streaming networks and sell our pay-per-views to those streaming networks. Now, the the thing about Turner is they have their own streaming product that they are trying to uh, 
to blow out. It's called uh, Bleacher Report Live. And, you know, maybe maybe that's a separate deal or maybe that's involved, you know, for at least for the first couple of years. Like, oh, yeah, you get the pay-per-views too, you know, just as part of this deal. But I, I would it would be interesting to see if they could separate the big shows and you either put them on pay-per-view or you put them on DAZN. And DAZN's like, we're going to pay for these pay-per-views that you have. And now through Turner on your TV, you're like, if you want to see this show, either go there live or you got to go to DAZN. And like, I think that would be interesting because you're creating different revenue streams right off the bat of your, you know, of your televised wrestling product. I guess the other thing that spirals out of that is what does their TV look like? Um, do they have matches weekly? You know, on the build up to all in, they mainly sold that show off kind of building stories on YouTube. Yep. Uh, I remember you and John talking before about his idea to have a weekly TV show where you didn't have any, any matches where yeah, you just yeah. used it, uh, you used it as a hype vehicle to build up your kind of your, your big live event. Yeah. Like a constant 24 uh, seven like, or something. Yeah. Like, you know, the roster at the moment is quite slim. Like, you know, do they have five to six TV matches to have every week at the moment? You know, so it, I think that's something you have to you have to wonder and how they're going to approach it. What or maybe they do like just one or two matches and they and like the rest is more kind of like being the elite stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the I think that that because they have these different. Um, they're they're pretty savvy with the social media thing. Like another idea, I you know I had, and you know I don't want to give away all my ideas, but the uh, especially before you you know they, they don't have anything yet, right? They they have a company, they have some dates, they have a, a show coming up, and maybe a TV date, and so they have like a lot of this time where they still need to promote but no real television vehicle to do it and i think i would look at uh an email newsletter where you're sending it out like either every week or every two weeks just with the latest information um they already have being the elite now they 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 are they are churning those out about weekly and that's what they're really comfortable at uh, comfortable with i would look at um creating a podcast talking about, uh, and, and maybe it's just the bucks, right? Maybe it's the bucks talking about. That's what I was going to ask you. Would you, would you have somebody host it or would it be uh, Nick and Matt Jack- Jackson's oh, podcast? In, in my, in my vision of this, I'm hosting this, this uh, I'm totally hosting in my, in my vision of, <laughs> of what's going on. And then, you know, you would sort of go through their history in the business. Um, and, you know, sort of like, because I, I think what everyone is interested in is like the genesis of the Bullet Club and the genesis of Elite and what's going on and and all this stuff. And you can I mean, you can have them break down all of that stuff and then talking about starting this company. And then um, as the company started, you know, they're talking about pieces of, of wrestling that they never knew and that they're learning and that here's TV production. We needed to learn this. And, and here's what we learned about X, Y, and Z. And so what the podcast becomes, it's, it begins as like sort of the genesis of the young bucks into creating the elite and the bullet club into creating all elite wrestling. And now 
they're not only wrestlers, but now they're executives and the things that they didn't think that they had to worry about and the planning of these shows. And so it just becomes an inside, a real deep inside look about what they're doing. I think that would be so interesting. Um, the reason why I think that's very smart as well is I think a lot of what has made being the elite successful or it's what made those guys successful is the fans feel like they're on the journey with them. Like Dave, Absolutely. Said, that Dave said that before, like, you know, that was why all in was such a big success. The, the guys, their fans came out to bat for them. You know, they, 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 they support They wanted to support them on the venture. And, you know, that just, give, that just kind of helps build on that. You give them the window into where, where the journey's going and, you know, you would fight them into to, to, to like to live, a, live a with them. Yeah, and it can't be like this sort of, uh, you know, I, I don't listen to Bruce Pritchard or Eric Bischoff, but it has to be a podcast where you really respect your customers, right? You're treating your customers as, you know, you want them to stay customers for the rest of their lives. And so you're just treating them with so much respect. You're giving them information, Um you're giving them sort of an inside look into your life, which is, you know, uh, being the elite is more sort of like fun, right? There's you, you can read into things and there's probably lots of truths in being the elite as well, but it's not built to be like this sort of documentary style look into what they're doing. Uh, And I think you could do that in a, in a podcast format. That would be so cool. Um, and yeah, like th- those would be uh, those would be some some easy things I need to do that they could do. And they're all great at social media and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. They're all going to be really good at that stuff. But I would what I would also do is I would immediately hire a social media director for that all elite account and all the main all elite accounts because and and, and so I didn't mention this in the podcast, but I would want their all elite. Um, brand to not just be about all elite, but I would also have them discussing other brands and styles of wrestling. Like, like the idea that I had about the young books podcast, I would also want to ask them like, what's the, like, have you watched any wrestling matches? Who do you have your eye on? Like who's out there that looks, you know, someone that, 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 you know, you would love to get in the ring with, did you see Seth Rollins' match the other night? I, I don't know if they would have time to to sort of keep their eye on everything, but also that level of like what's going on outside of you guys because um, I think people want to know, you know, sort of it, it's almost like it's almost like this uh, inside thing where you know do these football players hate each other or are they really friends? And and you could you know if you bring up this Kevin Owens match, then all of a sudden it dovetails into their favorite match that they ever had at Kevin Owens with Kevin Owens in front of, you know, 75 fans in this small town. Like that, that just like that kind of stuff, I think is, is just so intriguing and interesting. And you could just, you could just create so much great content with, with, uh, with that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, that, that works both ways as well in that you like, you know, you can talk about WWE, but you can also like they've obviously got their finger on the pulse. You know, they're working with that chi- Chinese group that, that Seema Seema's Seema a part of. Uh, like, you know, they could talk about the, uh, those guys or other groups that, you know, down, down the line, they might see working, see themselves working with, you know, 
guys like um, White Wolf in Spain, you know, maybe they would look at bringing over a kid or somebody <laughs> like, l- 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 like like that, you know, and t- t- talk about groups like that or d- different groups from around the world that, you know, other promotions that they have their eye on that they could potentially, you know, t- team up with and bring bring guys in because they are going to need, need ta- they are going to need talent and there's only so much of it out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we almost created like the longest podcast of all time, but <laughs> but that that's what happens when you and I get a chance to talk after we haven't talked in a long time. Um, so yeah, so uh, I think that'll do it. Uh, thanks for for hanging out. And John and I are going to be back during the middle of the week, and we'll do uh, our review of Raw episode two. It was quite it was quite the the journey uh, rewatching the first episode of Raw. Uh, it just it, it was kind of like you know I I don't watch I I don't think I've ever gone back and watched any of the any of the raws uh, that I've already seen so it's almost like I'm watching this stuff again but yeah John and I will be back be back to talk about that and I'm sure there's going to be tons of other stuff going on uh, what what what's on uh, what's on your docket uh, any any uh, any idea about uh, the UFC show next week uh, the the Pacquiao fight is that kind of is that kind of where your your head's at for the next week yeah yeah I, I, I think you know like you know next weekend there's there's uh, boxing on both the zone and ESPN plus on on Friday night and then there's the Pacquiao pay, pay-per-view on Saturday so that, that's what's going to be taking my focus and of course we have coming up both uh, the main NXT t- takeover show and the Royal Rumble the as Royal well. Rumble. Yeah. I'm trying to get my kid to go. He can get in he can get in the building for twenty dollars. Uh it's in Phoenix, so he, he goes to school in Tucson, which is about ninety miles away. So I'm trying to get him to go just to get in the door, just to kinda see that sort of spectacle in a baseball stadium. I think it's actually kinda cool. But um but yeah, so follow doing uh, on Twitter at Duan, D-U-A-N, Dub, D-U-B. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll check back in with Duan uh, as some of these uh, some of these bigger fights happen over over the uh, the first quarter of the year. So for Duan, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.